You've also got a very different timeline and a very different budget, highly likely. So a lot of these large companies, they plan their marketing years in advance. They've got millions of dollars to spend on these campaigns. And so they can have a a good effect on them. Whereas you've got maybe $10,000 or $100,000 and a few months to get a result. And so your timeframe and your budget is quite different. And so you need a different strategy. You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, and I'm your host, Robert Glazer. Join me as I talk to world-class performers about how they build their capacity and reach greater heights in leadership, business, and life, and how you can do the same. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. Our quote for today is from Brian Halligan. It's not what you sell that matters as much as how you sell it. My guest today, Alan Dibb, has helped several entrepreneurs add rocket fuel to their business through intelligent marketing. He's a serial entrepreneur, very rebellious marketer, and number one best-selling author. He's the founder of SuccessWise and the author of the One Page Marketing Plan, which is a perennial bestseller on Amazon. Alan, welcome. It's great to have you on the Elevate Podcast. Hey, Robert. Awesome to be on. So I know a big part of your uh, origin story, maybe not origin, but but maybe late origin stories, you dropped out of college to start your first business. Were you yeah. just bored in school, too good of an opportunity, something in between? What was the backstory there? Well, look, uh, I was uh, had the typical sort of technician story where I thought, hey, I'm really good at what I do. What else do I need? Where I don't I don't need this school stuff and all this. I'm smart enough to to know how to fixed computers, which at the time was uh, the business I was thinking of, was always a bit of a tech geek. And I thought, I'm smart enough to build a business. Uh, What do I need all of this school stuff? And and so I just got into it. And so that that was the biggest learning journey of my life. (laughs) So were were you running this? Were you doing this while you were in school? I was sort of doing it on the side. I was always yeah. a little bit of a tech geek. I'd help people with their uh, technical issues, their computer issues, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, my bedroom looked like the the Starship Enterprise console. So, <laughs> yeah. So I thought, you know, I, I've got the technical knowledge. What else do I need to run a business? And so I launched. And, of course, you know, that's the typical sort of e-myth uh, type of origin yeah. story. And um, then you go into a, a spiral of uh, frustration and uh, not knowing what to do or what to do next to, to get a client. So what became of that uh, first business? Uh, long story short, after about a decade of really learning marketing, and this first business was my training ground. So I, I built that business to become a national business. I ended up exiting it for more money than I'd ever seen or dreamed of in, in my life. But it was a, a very difficult story and it was unnecessarily difficult um, because I did it the difficult and expensive way, which was through trial and error, uh, rather than the smarter, faster way of um, understanding, first of all, the stuff that I didn't really know and getting the right mentors and the right help along the way. So um so I, I encourage people to take a shorter approach than I did. I could have done it in probably a tenth of the time and uh, with a tenth of the frustration. But uh, so it was a computer repair chain. It was a, it was what's called these days an MSP, managed service provider. Okay, got so, it. Yeah. Or now it's just cloud stuff we work cloud, on. Cloud, yeah, yeah. This was pre, this was pre-cloud, even though um, there was a little bit of cloud element to it. So how how many employees when you sold it? How big was it? Uh, when we sold, we had about 20 employees and then contractors. Uh, we had heaps of contractors 
And yeah, it was, um, you know, for me at least it was life-changing because, you know, I was able to pay off my house, buy the car that I'd always been wanting and all of that sort of thing, you know, uh, and um, uh, that's a big deal for someone who was in kind of their early 20s, right? So, um, and yeah, so I went on from that. I started my next business, which was a, a voice over IP a telecommunications carrier business. And we grew that from zero to four years later, being one of the top 100 fastest growing companies in Australia. And so what, what did you, you talk about this 10 year up and down yeah. good exit. What, yeah. what did you wish you had known and, and would you have learned it in school had you stayed there? Definitely wouldn't have learned it at school. Um, so I remember once I was talking to one of my mentors and I was, the biggest frustration I had was technically we were by far the best in our area in what we did, you know, and I would look at all of our competitors and they have inferior technology and they're running rings around us in terms of financially though. And in fact, sometimes they would hire us to train them on the latest technology that we were implementing. So you were, you were a well-kept secret, which is never, you were a well-kept secret. Never a what you want to be. Secret. Yeah. And you know, the thing that kept me going was, you know, we had, very loyal clients that loved what we did. We just didn't have enough of them. You know, that's what kept us going. I I distinctly remember once I was talking to a business partner uh, of mine at the time, we were walking to lunch and I said, look, we've got this great business. Our clients love us. Our margins are awesome. We just don't have enough of them. And, you know, if we crack this little thing called sales and marketing, we'll do really, really well. And I, I was mixing up my majors and my minors. I thought the sales and marketing was the little thing and the, yeah. the great product was the major thing, you know? And of course I, I had that completely backwards. So um, that's how much learning I had to go. But in answer to your question, the realization, and maybe I was a bit slow on the uptake, was a mentor who said to me, look, before they buy, they only know how good your marketing is. They only find out how good you are and how good your product is after they buy. So, you know, you need to become a marketing master. You need to you need to master this skill because no one ever knows how good you are before they buy. You know, we've been sold this dream that build it and they will come, which is a really nice movie plot, but it's a terrible business strategy. Yeah. I, a lot of times someone will tell me about some business and they're like, oh, it's this great business here. And then they have the same yeah. product or otherwise, but I'm like, but if no one knows about them, I, well, then what advantage do they have over, you know, the one that people know about? So it's not, exactly. there's no objective metric. It's fairly subjective. So so this mentor who told you this, did he tell you how to do it or what you need to do or just that you need to get better at marketing? Well, you know, I got little bits and pieces from everywhere. And this is one of the reasons why I wrote the book that I wrote. And I think this is the reason that the book has been so successful is because I wrote the book I wish I had when I was just starting, when I was a dead broke IT geek banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out how to get a customer in the door. And, you know, I would get nuggets of information from everywhere. I would attend a seminar, I'd get a great nugget of information. I'd read a book, I'd get a really good nugget of information. I'd talk to a mentor, I'd get a really good... But there was nothing where where I could kind of go from A to Z you know, to understand, okay, what's the first step? What do I do first? What do I do second? What do I do third? Because 
you know, I thought I'm a reasonably smart guy. I know how to follow instructions, you know, and being a technical mind, right? You, you follow a, a a predefined process and you get a predefined kind of result. And that that was a big frustration of mine at the time that there was nothing as far as I could find at the time, certainly, that would take me from A, B, C, D, right through to being able to reliably and consistently get a customer in the door. So the answer is yes, I got a lot of value from different mentors, from different books, from different seminars, things I read, things I attended. Ended, but there was nothing that I could find that that gave it to me from start to end. And literally in my book, in the first chapter, uh, we assume nothing. I literally define what is marketing, right? So that's where we start and we go right through to uh, lead nurturing, lead capture, converting sales, getting referrals, all of that. And so I, I wrote the book that I wish I had at the time. And I think that's resonated with, with audiences. So when did you write the book relative to the business life cycles? Was it in the uh, second business? I wrote the book much, much later. Much later, so, okay. Yeah, so the book was only written a few years ago. Um, it was when I was into my current business and I was coaching people and I wanted them to put together a marketing plan. And of course, I got a lot of pushback, you know, too difficult, don't know where to start, need to hire a consultant, all of that sort of stuff. So I created a process called the one-page marketing plan process that would help people create a, a comprehensive marketing plan on a single page. And it worked very well for my clients. And, and that's when I decided to put the process, um, document the process in, in the form of a book. And that's what I did a couple of years ago. So we'll, we'll dive into it in a, in a sec, but were you using those tasks? You said your second business grew really quickly. Yes. Had you figured out this stuff by your second business or did I you, had, or did I you had, figure yeah. it out by the end of the first business? Which one was it? I, I'd figured it out by the end of the first business and that's what really enabled us to grow. Um, the second business, we grew like rocket fuel. As you say, we managed to exit in a very short amount of time. And so uh, we basically used the strategies that we learned in the first business and yeah, grew that very, very quickly. And to me, it was like night and day. It was, you know, in the first business, I'd spent over a decade banging my head against a brick wall, trying to figure out why I, uh, a smart guy like me yeah. can't get clients in the door. The second business, it's like, hey, I now know the process. I just need to follow this predefined process. I know it works. And so we just deploy. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Two years ago, I bought a dual suspension mountain bike for the first time and it pushed me to ride trails that I had never been willing to try before. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has exceptional capability that will have you seeing the possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. The Lexus GX comes with available dynamic sky panorama glass roof, available front row massaging seats, best-in-class towing capacity, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, and available multi-terrain select. I've seen the new Lexus GX popping up all around my town, and not only does it have the capabilities to take you to new places on and off the road, but it's a great-looking car. The new Lexus GX is ready to raise the bar for you. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Elevate listeners. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify is the partner you need to keep the cash register ringing for your e-commerce business. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading platforms. 
I advise a lot of companies in the e-commerce space, and almost all of them have migrated to Shopify. And as a buyer, what I love about buying from Shopify-enabled sites is that they already know who I am, and I don't have to create a new account or enter all my payment info. The ShopPay service makes it faster and easier to buy, which surely helps with conversions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com elevate, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com elevate now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com elevate. So what, what worked for you? What did you do fundamentally different? That's what, what worked for me was essentially what's known as direct response marketing, right? Yeah. So, and that's essentially where uh, you try and get money at a discount, meaning you spend $10 on advertising and you get $10 or more back in, in the way of profits. And so that's a very sustainable way of marketing compared to the way marketing is taught generally in universities and things like that, which is generally mass marketing, or, you know, branding, mass marketing, all of that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't work, but that's generally- it works if you're like craft or, you know- Exactly, exactly. It works at a completely different scale. Yeah. So yeah. if you're, if you've got a massive budget and if you've got big timelines, then that works great. Uh, but if you're, you're a small business or even if you're a medium sized business, um, you're going to spend a lot of money and not get much result with, you know, uh, that kind of approach. So let's dive into the one page marketing plan. I guess for starters, why, why is it only one page? How did you, was that part of the hook or, or did you think people really needed the simplicity and that was part of their problem? Yeah, I did think it was a good hook, but uh, <laughs> more importantly, I I had gone through, in my first business, I've literally made every mistake in the book, right? And so one of the mistakes I made was I had an expensive consultant to help me put together a business plan, right? And a big part of the business plan is a section called the marketing plan. Yeah. And, you know, we had all sorts of graphs and projections and, you know, budgets and everything like that. And by the end, the whole pl uh, marketing plan was a beautiful looking document. But guess what I did with it? I shoved it in the top drawer of my desk, never saw it again. I was just going to ask who it was for. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so um, I spent thousands of dollars putting together this business plan because I was told that's what you got to do. You got to put put together a business plan and a marketing plan and and all of that. And so this awesome, beautiful looking document was sat in the top drawer of my desk until we moved out of that office and I had to dust it off, clean it and throw it in the trash. And, you know, for me, the document was really not a living document, it wasn't something usable or workable. It was kind of more like a work of art uh, than anything else. And um, what I wanted for my clients was to have a document that was practical, that they could use, that they could literally have on their desk or pin up in their office. And then any time when they got better and more information, they could update it. So, you know, let's say you got more intel on who your target market is, or let's say yeah. you tested a message that resonated in a better way. You don't have to rewrite a whole 75-page marketing plan. You could literally create a new plan in 20, 30 minutes and boom, you're moving. Or you want to launch a new product or something like that. Again, one-page marketing plan, we can literally do that in 20, 30 minutes and you're done. So it's something where the plan was much more practical, much more usable and uh, more accessible to everybody where you don't need a, a consultant who, with an MBA to put it all together. And, and so it sounds like 
keeping it top of mind is important for people like, so they can see yeah. it, adjust it, think about it. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, and, and you know, I kind of think of it as like your, the flight plan for your business, you know, it, it, you know, the, the pilot is actively monitoring right. and managing their flight plan. Right. So um, it's, it's got to be a practical document that's actually usable. It's not something that you just, shove uh, and um, one day get back to it or, or whatever. It's something that should drive what we're doing on a daily basis from a marketing perspective. I know one of the things you talk about and you caution in the book is that small and medium-sized businesses uh, should avoid big business marketing. So yeah. what, what specifically should they avoid about big business marketing? Yeah, a very common mistake. And I, I again, like I said, I've made every mistake in the book and I've made that mistake is uh, they look at the kind of marketing business big businesses are doing and they're usually kind of brand based or billboards or lots of logos and things like that everywhere and you think hey if this uh, big successful company is doing really well and this is what they're doing from a marketing perspective well then i should probably model what they're doing and and i'll get the same sort of result and the thing that you you don't understand is first of all you probably only see a very small part of their overall strategy but the second thing is you don't know what their agenda is and your agenda is likely to be very very different so their agenda includes some things like you know winning creative awards um pleasing the board of directors appeasing shareholders all of those sorts of things whereas there is only one thing on your list of priorities as a small or medium business owner and that's to turn a profit you know all of that sort of uh, fluffy stuff, you know, getting buy-in from stakeholders and all of this sort of stuff, appeasing, you know, uh, superiors and all of that probably doesn't really figure in what you do. So you've probably got a very different agenda to some of the large businesses that are doing marketing. You've also got a very different timeline and a very different budget, highly likely. So a lot of these large companies, they plan their marketing years in advance. They've got millions of dollars to spend on these campaigns. And so they can have a, a good effect on them. Whereas you've got maybe $10,000 or $100,000 and a few months to get a result. And so your time frame and your budget is quite different. And so you need a different strategy. So you've probably got different budgets, different timelines, different agendas. So copying or modeling somebody else's strategy who's working at a completely different level is probably not going to work for you. In 2017, entrepreneur John Rampton was frustrated with the available calendar tools, which led him to create Calendar.com. Calendar.com allows all of your different calendars to come together in one place. It also has some great features that solve many of the common frustration of team calendars. Smart links with notifications ensure you never need to worry about double booking or no-shows. The Find a Time feature compares everyone's schedules at once, finding the optimum time to meet, no more emailing back and forth trying to find out when everyone is free. And you also get analytics that will give you reports that show how you and your team are spending your time, allowing you to be more efficient. If you're looking to make yourself or your team more efficient this year, head over to calendar.com now to start your 30-day free trial and see the difference for yourself. That's C-A-L-E-N-D-A-R.com. So if you could go back to your businesses, what were some of the direct response type of campaigns that you tested and that you saw success with? Yeah, uh, well, for me, and like I said, uh, I was probably pretty slow on the uptake, but things like, hey, we should capture the the names and and contact details of people who are who are interested right and and again a lot of very large companies 
don't do this. Um, you know, I remember running my first ad and I thought <laughs> it was just hilarious. Um, so we we paid, uh, it was something like $5,000 at the time to be in an industry magazine. And we ran the ad and we were we came in the office the day that the ad was going to come out, ready for the phone to start ringing off the hook. And we're like, okay, it's 9.05 and the phone hasn't rung. Hang on, let's check the dial tone, make sure there's nothing, no problems with the, the phone system and all of that sort of thing. And then, you know, the whole day went and literally we did not get a single inquiry. And I'm like, I don't know what was wrong with the ad. Maybe we should have made the logo bigger. <laughs> you know, like uh, that's how clueless we were. And so, you know, understanding the principles of direct response marketing, which is, hey, uh, we want an ad that's not self-focused. It's not, hey, we're awesome by our stuff. It's like, hey, uh, it's getting into the conversation that's happening in the mind of the prospect. So what problem do they have? and agitating that and offering a solution and then not necessarily selling from the ad, just having a response mechanism where, hey, they can visit a, a web page and opt in or they can phone in or they can mail something in or whatever, a response mechanism and then a, a mechanism to capture those leads. And then most importantly, the bit that most people miss is a good nurturing process. So we know that the vast majority of leads are not ready to buy today. They're ready to buy sometime in the future. And so we want to keep in touch with people who are, you know, vaguely interested, but ready to buy maybe in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year, two years time, whatever it is, because that builds our pipeline of future revenue. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. It helps you identify and hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Case in point, last year I asked the CEO of a major ski resort how he got his job, and he told me that he saw it on LinkedIn and decided to apply. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. The team at LinkedIn is also constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash practical. That's linkedin.com slash practical to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And and I guess there's a spectrum, right? There's some of these sites where you see the white paper, you fill out the thing, and a sales rep calls you five seconds later, right? Which yeah. kind of scares you from doing that. That is not yeah. that is not nurturing, right? There I see a lot, I think a lot of companies get way too transactional rather than playing a sure. little bit of the medium or long game with that data. Yeah, correct. And, and you know, we know that. In any given addressable market, and you know this varies from market to market, of course, but a rule of thumb is about 3% of your addressable target market is ready to buy today. So that's a very small minority. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you walk into a car dealership. What can we do to get you in a car, into a car today, right? Yeah, Otherwise, you're tired. it's over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and having that mentality that if the client doesn't buy today, that they're a tire kicker or a time waster or whatever, it's very, very small minded. It's driven kind of by, I think, that that 80s sales mindset and really think it's quite, quite different. So um, we want to capture those leads. We want to nurture them with value over time. 
we want to make specific offers. We want we want stuff that's measurable, that's trackable, and that's how we win at the game of marketing. Not not by hey, you know, we we need to sell them right now today. That's not to say we don't make sales immediately as well. You know, that three percent who are ready to buy today. They'll buy, you know, that you don't need to be a, a master of marketing to kind of close those people. You know, pretty much anyone who's reasonable at sales can close those 3% who are ready to buy today. <laughs> it takes marketing sophistication to nurture the people who are ready to buy in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year, so, uh, you know, nurturing those over time. And uh, I call it the marketing version of farming. You know, we plant the seed, we water it, we take care of it, we nurture it, and then come harvest time, we will harvest the revenue. Well, that requires thought leadership, right? And creating a lot more just content and explaining your expertise and getting into a conversation. Again, not not trying to get the person in the car, but educating them about cars, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, And having, I think, more and more important than ever before is kind of conversational marketing. Uh, You know, uh, I heard Dean Jackson say that, conversions come from conversations. And I think that's very, very true. Um, So how can we have a conversation with our target market? And I don't mean necessarily just a sales conversation, but just a conversation about what's happening for for them, what problems they're experiencing, how can we give them some value in advance of the sale as well? I think if you're selling anything of reasonable value, um, you're going to have to have a conversation with your ideal prospect ahead of the sale. So looking at ways that you can stimulate those conversations rather than repel them. And when does it become marketing and when does it become sales? Like when is that when is that handoff? I'm sure this is a key question you get. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't believe in siloing the the sales and marketing department. And in fact, in my own business, we don't have a separate sales and marketing department. We have a revenue department, right? Okay. So I think the days of, you know, sales saying, uh, you know, the leads that you're sending me suck and then and <laughs> the marketing saying department you saying you can't close yeah. them, right? Yeah. You can't close, right? So, But then what's the COO going to do if he can't, right? If he can't mediate <laughs> that fight, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I firmly believe in having the revenue department. I think sales and marketing, good sales and marketing have, have really merged. And so you, you want to be working together in a team. So one thing I was talking about today with a friend of mine, we were doing a, a clubhouse chat. He runs a, a big performance agency. Is that you know, particularly with digital, people tend to crowd into something. Digital marketing is very auction oriented, right? So everyone yeah. crowds into something, and then it's hard for anyone to do well. Like if you're talking to clients or you're coaching or teaching, like are you are you encouraging people to look at? things that they may be overlooking or not as sexy. Like I know people were going to catalogs a couple of years ago because everyone had gotten out of them. So it was a lot cheaper and everyone else was doing paid search and they went to catalogs. So I absolutely love taking a multimedia approach. So, you know, like I said, I'm a tech geek. I love digital everything uh, very much, but I think one of the most underutilized mediums right now is snail mail, you know? So our digital inboxes, whether it be Facebook, emails, all of that is more crowded than ever before. And our physical inboxes are less crowded than than ever before. And and I'm not saying it's one versus the other, but I I think taking a multimedia approach where you can touch the prospect in multiple mediums makes so much sense. And, you know, uh, I mean, I was talking to a client the other day and they have very high lifetime values, very high transactional values. And I said, look, if you send 
a postcard monthly. I mean, it costs you $2 to print, mail, and send a, a beautiful colored postcard every month. So that's $24 a year to keep in touch with some of your most high value prospects. Why wouldn't you do it? I mean, if you've got- And what's, trans- their, what's their customer value for that like that company? Oh, their, their customer value is in the tens of thousands of dollars. So right. it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, they could keep in touch with their client for via uh, physical mail for the next 10 years and still get a good return in investment, you know, if only a few close that way. And so, you know, very rarely do I ever get, you know, from someone a something physical in the mail or a handwritten note or a postcard. You know, these, these mediums, I, I think, have been completely ignored because of the rise of digital and important, you know, the rise of digital has been important. It's incredibly important. You can track things and, and it's powerful and you can do targeting, but you can do a lot of that with physical mediums as well. So uh, I think a multimedia approach makes so much sense. What, what are people coming to you today? What's their biggest problem they're coming to you today for around sort of coaching and their marketing or what are they struggling with? Yeah, a lot of what we do is help people develop their own internal marketing capability. That's really what our whole coaching program is about. Um, A big problem that we've seen is people, um, so they've had good success outsourcing their IT or their payroll or HR or whatever, and they say, hey, great, let's outsource our marketing. And so I think the days of just generally outsourcing all of your marketing uh, over, I don't think that's something that you can reasonably do. And if there's an agency that's silly enough to take take that on, you're kind of setting them up for failure. I think you need to own the marketing channel in your business. You need to own the marketing strategy. Yes, of course, you can get outside help from specialists. So maybe there's uh, someone like you who's an affiliate specialist. Maybe there's a pay-per-click expert, maybe whatever. But you need to own the marketing strategy the marketing right. plan you need you, to drive you need to that say to them, here's yeah. what i want to do here's the target customer here's how and then let them execute those tactics rather than looking for them to give you the strategy for the business exactly exactly and and you want to execute most of even the the tactical stuff yourself because most of the stuff does not require genius. It doesn't require great expertise. It just requires you to do sensible stuff on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. You know, we send email newsletters to our list a couple of times a week. We send postcards in the mail monthly or something like that. We we run offers and things like that. So these are sensible things that any business that's trained to to do that can do it. And yes, let's get the expert who's great at design or the expert who's excellent at affiliate marketing or the expert who's great at pay-per-click or whatever. Let's get them to come and help us execute on those specialist tasks. But the, the main marketing function should be part of your core business. I mean, I think Peter Drucker said the two main things that a business needs to own and focus on is innovation. And most businesses have got that sorted out. And marketing was the second one. And so I think marketing is core. Peter Drucker didn't see, didn't say strategy in those two things. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think, I think it's a core capability. And so that's really what, what we're helping a lot of our clients do is build that internal marketing capability. So that's often either upskilling someone in their team to be that marketing coordinator or helping them recruit a marketing coordinator and and upskilling them, you know, really owning that marketing uh, functionality in their business and helping them grow that. And that way they're really taking control of their, their future. Well, that's an interesting one on the talent side. Look, ta- it's, 
hard to get people now. I don't know. You're, you, you know, you guys are still locked down there. You said, you know, things yeah. are opening here. You can't fill anyone. Like what, if you could only have one person, what, what kind of profile are people looking for as their sort of marketing coordinator? Like what do you, I, I heard you say upskill, but like where, where should they be looking? What, what are the core competencies they need yeah. in that person? I'll be honest, very often we we really look for someone who's maybe not even had much experience in, in marketing and often they tend to be better candidates because they don't come with a lot of baggage and a lot of uh, nonsense that, that is often taught. Um, what we're looking for is someone who can write well. So, you know, copywriting is really core to the marketing function. Um, so someone who can write well, someone who's a little bit tech savvy, not afraid to learn how to use a CRM system or some other tool or or what, whatever else, and just enthusiastic, ready to learn and just really execute the daily, weekly, monthly stuff. You know, the, as I said, the way you win at marketing is by doing the the small, boring stuff on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. It's not the massive splash or campaign or the rebrand or the website relaunch or whatever. The way you win at marketing is doing the small, boring, repetitive stuff on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And um, that, that's how you win that game. So it's, it's a momentum game, it sounds like. It's a momentum game. Uh, I think James Clear says, something like all of the ways that you win in life is through compound interest, whether it's financially yeah. in relationships in whatever else. And uh, I've certainly found that to be true. All right. So any, any new books in the works? Uh, yeah. You got the one page. What What's next? You're going to go with the franchise. You're going to go <laughs> with the franchise. <laughs> uh, I'm currently about a quarter of the way through through the next book, uh, which will be a successor to the one-page marketing plan and which will be very much, uh, very tactical, very much what we do in our coaching program. And I'm kind of um, going to be launching a little bit of a test project, which is a children's uh, book. I think that could be a really good category, business books for children. You know, I don't have children. But I, a lot of business authors are launching these children's books yeah, these days, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. And, and if I, I don't have children, but if I did, I'd want them to learn basic business lessons that yeah. I never learned, right? So I think that'd be really, really cool. I think that could be a real category. So, so is it the one page marketing plan for kids? Is that uh, not quite? No, no. I think it'll, <laughs> it'll have a different title and it'll be much, much more, more basic, more illustrated. But um, yeah, I'm sort of working on that uh, at the moment. <laughs> uh, that's fine. All right, Alan, last question for you. I know you alluded to a bunch, but what's a mistake you've made personally or professionally that, that you learn the most from? Um, quite simply, it's what, what a mentor told me is, look, the best marketer wins every time. You know, I wish that the marketplace was a meritocracy where right. the best product just won automatically. And we're often told that or taught that sometimes. But uh, the fact is, it's the best marketer that wins every time. And so that's a lesson that I learned the hard way that many other people have learned the hard way. And um, you've just got to become a really good marketer at what you do. You know, your product, you know, having a good product is a customer retention strategy. So when someone buys, they yeah. say, oh, this is a great product. I'm going to buy more of it or I'm going to keep it or whatever. Uh, but before customer retention, you need to be thinking about customer acquisition. And that's becoming a good marketer. All right. Alan, where can people learn more about you, your book, courses, all that stuff? Yeah, of course. Um, so my book is everywhere where books are sold, of course, Amazon. It's very strong on Audible as well. So if you prefer to listen rather than read, the one-page marketing plan is available on Audible. And of course, all of our programs are on our website, which is successwise.com. 
Great. Alan, thanks for joining us today. And uh, hopefully everyone's uh, learned some helpful tips that they can go implement, which is particularly don't, don't go big, go consistent. That's what I'll take <laughs> out of it. Absolutely. Thank you, Robert. Pleasure being on. All right. To our listeners, thanks for tuning into the Elevate podcast today. We'll include links to Alan and his work on the detailed episode page at robertglazer.com. Thanks again for your support. Until next time, keep elevating. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.